Would you join me please in your Bibles in the book of Colossians? We'll pick up where we left off verse by verse in the Word of God in chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. We'll begin reading in verse number 14 together again. The Bible says in Colossians 2 and verse number 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink in respect of an holy day or the new moon or the Sabbath days which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. In some of these verses we've already dealt with some of the things in the verses we've read this morning, but in verse number 15 as we pick up there's a phrase in that in that verse that we've not dealt with and also verse 18 and 19 we've not dealt with concerning The fact the Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 15, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. I want to talk about the triumphing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he he won more than you think he won on that day of Calvary. He won and he will yet win. My question is, is he winning in your life? Are you letting him triumph in your life? There is no reason to live a life of defeat or discouragement or bondage to sin because the Bible says the Lord Jesus Christ has triumphed for us. Now, when you look around your world, around the world, you'll think that wickedness and sin and the devil is triumphing. But Job reminds us, the book of Job, I'll read this for you in Job chapter 20. The Lord lets us remember this phrase, Job 20 verse 5. The triumphing of the wicked is short. So whatever victory there is, in the world or with the devil or in sin or with those that follow that life, that is a very short triumph. And yet the triumph of our Lord Jesus Christ casts victory not only on the day of the cross or the day of the resurrection, but it brings victory in our lives continuously and it's a triumph that is an eternal one. Well, never forget that He won. And in this verse, in Colossians 2.15, the victory that he won was not just over our sin. We've dealt with some of that already previously. wasn't even over that which was against us, which was the law. But look at verse 15 again, will you? He said in Colossians 2 verse 15, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he, that's Jesus, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them 
in it. Jesus on the cross, He won a victory not just over our sin, but He won a victory over all of the princes of darkness, over the prince of the power of the air, all the devil powers that are in the world. and were in the, He triumphed over them. If you remember that phrase, principalities and powers, you understand it would take you to Ephesians chapter 6. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. What's going on in our world? It's not just humankind. It is the devil. It is the things of the devil. The, 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 the enemies that, that are in the darkness that are, that are energizing and filling and controlling people that is causing the march of our world and the march of sin and the plan and the path that this world is on is a result of the devil powers behind all of that. People are full of the devil today. And we have to wrestle with them. Now, we're not wrestling with people. But we're wrestling with the devil that's in people. And that's a hard, that's a hard, that's a hard battle. That's a hard battle to recognize that the fight's not with the flesh and blood. The fight's with the devil that's in the flesh and blood. But the good news about that wrestling match, I don't know if any of you ever wrestled, that is not a long-distance sport. It's very personal. Matter of fact, it's probably a lot more personal than many or maybe any of the other sports. You play football, you got pads on. You just hit somebody. But wrestling, you're getting their sweat on you and your sweat on them. You're intertwined. It's, it's very personal. Matter of fact, in a wrestling match, you are more, you're closer to people than you would ever be with them normally. Is that right? God says you're wrestling against principalities and power. You are in a struggle with the devil, friend. You're in a personal struggle. You're in a close struggle with the devil. But the good news is, Jesus already beat them. He triumphed over the principalities and powers. The Bible even mentions them in this book of Colossians on more than one occasion. Look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 16. Colossians 1.16, the Bible says, and this is talking about our Lord Jesus Christ again, verse 16 of chapter 1, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, watch it, or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. So the same Lord Jesus Christ that created the principalities and powers certainly did not have any trouble defeating them. Chapter 2 of Colossians, verse number 10. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, And ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. He created the principality and powers. He's the head of the principalities and powers. But at the cross, all the principalities and powers in the darkness of this world were focused in on attacking the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says He triumphed over them. 
You know, people are fascinated with angels, whether they're devilish angels or whether they're God's created angels. So much so, would you look verse 18, the verse we read in chapter 2 this morning? Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen. People are enamored with angels. People are more, I mean, people would be more apt to pick up a book about angels than they would to pick up a book and read it about Jesus Christ. People would be, if I started, I'm not going to preach about angels this morning necessarily, but uh, if I preached a message on angels, some people would perk up and listen. They would want to hear about that. But if you start talking about Jesus Christ, why are angels more intriguing to us? The Bible says this, you're intruding into those things that you've not even seen. I mean, some people, you know, they have all these figurines they think are angels and they put them up and they sell them and it's a big deal. And the Bible says this, people actually worship angels. That's in the Bible. I don't know who all does that. I've never been tempted to do that. Maybe you're tempted to do that. Why would somebody worship an angel instead of worshiping the God that made the angel? There's a lot of people that worship the principality, the angelic principalities and powers of the devil. And they're, they're bowing down to the devil that Jesus Christ defeated and destroyed. Why would anybody worship a power that's been defeated? Why would I not worship a power that is victorious, that is triumphant? I mean, everybody worships something. Some people worship themselves. That's a pretty foolish thing because you know how defeated you are. People worship movements. People worship Hollywood stars and and sports figures that are all defeated. They don't have power. They don't have any victory. Musicians. And yet the Bible says the one who was truly victorious, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's high above all and he triumphed at the cross over all the powers of hell, all these devils. And he did it in a glorious fashion. Would you look at verse 15 again? He just didn't beat them. It says in having spoiled principalities and powers. Now, if you've been with us, you know that the word spoil, we we talked about that and preached about that. When you spoil someone, you take away all their valuables. You take away all their goods. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross, he not only got the victory over the devil and all his devils of hell, he spoiled them. He took away from them their weapons. He took away from them their power. You know what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2? All of our lives, people spend their lives in fear of death. Over him who, watch it, had the power of death. That is the devil. You know what the Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross? He took away the power of death from Satan that was in his hand. He said, you know what? I'm not only going to beat you, I'm going to take away from you the power that you had and now that's going to be mine. He spoiled him. He spoiled the devil of his power of death. He even spoiled the principalities and powers of their power of sin. You know the Bible says if we're saved by the grace of God, Sin hath no more dominion over us. 
The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ not only took away the condemnation of the weapon of sin that the devil uses against all of us and he accuses us and he deceives us and he tempts us, but the Bible says the Lord Jesus Christ won a great victory by spoiling them and taking away their power of sin. He says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give my people, those that come to my cross and receive me as their Savior, I'm going to give them power over sin. They don't have to give in to it anymore. Before they, could, they couldn't say no, but now, now they'll be able to say no. I took away your power. I see another spoiling there. I, I can picture in my mind's eye Jesus hanging on the cross. And while all the principalities and powers, and don't, don't kid yourself, Satan was there and all the devils of hell were there gathered around the cross that day. It wasn't just those women gathered around that cross. It just wasn't Roman soldiers. It, the devils of hell were gathered around there like a bunch of hounds, amen, trying to destroy an enemy. And the Lord Jesus Christ hung there and he said, I tell you what, I'm going to spoil you. I'm not only going to win this battle, but I'm going to take away something that belongs to you. Hey, devil. Well, I'm done right here. Do your best. You see this one right over here on my right side? He belongs to you, but he's fixing to belong to me. I'm going to spoil you of the soul that you have. And by the way, devil, you, you see this centurion over here that you've taught all the ways of sin. He, before it's over, he's going to cry out that truly this man was the Son of God. And I'm going to steal another one from you. And I tell you what, Satan, I'm not through. The Bible says here, having spoiled principalities and power. Look at your Bible. This is great. He made a show of them openly. Now, you know what the cross was? It was a terrible show. You know what the devil thought he was going to do? He thought he was going to, he thought he was going to make a show of the despicableness of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And the devil wanted to make a, a gazing stock of Jesus. So he stripped him of all his clothes. All that little loincloth stuff you see, all that's fake. Because the devil wanted to make a show of the most holy thing that ever walked on planet earth. And he stripped the Lord Jesus Christ to make a show of him. And he put a crown of thorns to mock him in a big show. And he put a purple robe on him to make a show. And he hung him on a tree and he, 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 to do his worst, you see. And while the Lord's hanging there, you know, I don't think we understand all that happened. God Almighty, the Father, even turned off all, all the lights so nobody could see what was going on. Our big green preached a great message about that. He turned off the lights in the middle of the day. And all the devils of hell poured out the best they had. And Jesus with his head high. As if it were said, is this the best you can do, boys? You got any more? Because his head's never going down. It's always held high. Is this the best you got? Satan, you... you I can take it. Go ahead. 
The victory, the show was not Jesus on the cross. The show is Him showing them up that their power and their vitriol and their violence and their hatred did not conquer the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Lamb of God. He made a show of them. When they did their best, His head was still held high. You guys finished yet? By the way, devil, I'm not through spoiling you. I'll see you in hell in just a minute. Do your best. In just a minute, I'll meet you down in hell. Because I'm going to take something else away from you. (laughs) Woo! I'm not just going to take away death. I'm not going to just take away these souls. But I'm going to take away the keys of death and of hell. I'll meet you down there because I'm coming after the keys. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus Christ... The Bible says he descended in the lower parts of the earth when he died. He went down in there, walking over and said, Devil, give me the keys right there. I want the keys of hell right there. You know, if he's got the keys, that means he can let anybody out. That means he can let you out. You better get to the one that has the keys. He spoiled the devil of the power of death. He spoiled the devil of the power of sin. He spoiled the devils and the principalities of powers of the power of hell. And as he's coming up, amen, I can just see see him making a show of it openly. He made a show of them openly. The Bible said he led captivity captive. He takes a whole bunch of people with him. These are all mine. And by the way, why don't you devils bow down? Bow the knee. I got the keys. Can you see him coming up out of the grave? Can you see him ascending up into heaven, up through the stratosphere? And everybody, he makes a show of them openly. He didn't just win it. It's almost, you remember how, here's the best way I can picture a show of them openly. is what Elijah did to the Baalite worshipers. That was a show openly. Come on, is that the best you can do for your God? Cry loud. Pray a little harder. And they're cutting themselves. Come on, you can do it. (laughs) What, your God on vacation? Is your God powerless? Did he take a bathroom break? Where's your God? That's Elijah. He made a show of the Baal religion openly. And everybody knew there was nothing to it. And then he bowed and prayed and said a few words. Amen. And the fire came down from heaven and showed. I'm telling you, that's what Jesus did. At the cross, Jesus gathered all those devils of hell, all the principalities and powers. And when they threw their worst at him, he said, come on, y'all, is that it? And mind you, he's got all my sin and all your sin in his body and the sin of the whole world on his back. And he stands there victorious. You guys finished? You finished yet? Because you threw your best at me and it didn't finish me. I'll say when it's finished. You're not even going to have the power to stop my lifeblood and my life from, from, from stopping. I'm the one. Do your best, but when I say it'll be over, and until I say it's not over. Made a show of them openly. Pilate says, I have the power to kill the early. Jesus said, you have no power at all. 
You don't got any power. You don't have power to kill me. I'm laying down my life. This, I'm cooperating because I want to rescue the souls of men. The, I want to pay for their sin and give them a Savior and be their substitute. The Bible says He spoiled the principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. He took away their weapons. He took away the best they had. And in His victory, you know, a lot of times I think we look at the cross and we think, what an awful thing. And it was an awful thing. But you remember when Jesus was going up that hill and those women were just crying and they were mourning and they were weeping. And he turned to him and he said, don't weep for me. Y'all, you're wasting your tears. Don't cry for me. You know what he said? Cry for yourself. Seems like he's all right. He's got this. It's never in doubt. I need that victory in my life. You could never find a darker moment in human history than right there. And Jesus not only won, he made a show openly. And he spoiled the people. Took away everything they had. I believe that's why God tells us in Psalm 47 verse 1, Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. He tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Thanks be unto God that always causeth us to triumph in Christ. I don't think somebody believed that. I want you to read that with your eyes. Will you do that? 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Because he, he, he won, I can win. Because he, had, he won the victory, I can have the victory in my life. Well, then what's wrong with me? 2 Corinthians chapter 2. That, that doesn't mean I can control others or control the world or what's going on, but I have the victory on the inside. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Watch this, verse 14. Now thanks be unto God, which, what's that word? Always. What is it? Always. Are we King James Bible believing people? Yes, sir. What do we believe the word always means? Always. You know what that word means in the Greek? Always. always. That's just what it means in the Greek. That's just what it means. Always is always. Thanks be unto God which always causeth us to what? Triumph in Christ, not in myself. And maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. You say, preacher, I'm saved and I don't always see the triumphing in Christ. Well, maybe you need to look a little farther down the road. Now we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. When God says He always causes me to triumph does not mean that I'm never attacked. It just means that I'm going to be victorious. But guys, you can look over there in the Middle East and, and see that victory is not won in a day. You know how long Israel's been fighting that war? A lot longer than you've been alive. For centuries that war's been going on. But I read in my Bible, I just read it this morning in the book of Zechariah, 
God says, I'm going to destroy all the nations that come up against Israel. You know what he said? There's coming a day the little boys and girls are going to be playing in the street again. Because the victory is already assured. That doesn't mean that the battle is still not raging, but the victory is assured. And even the, the worst things of our lives, he's going to work them together for good. I don't know how. I can't explain all that. But I believe the Bible. I believe he'll cause me to triumph. If I'll continue loving the Lord, if I'll continue letting him have his first place in my life, he'll work it together for good. Even at the graveyard, he says, death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? He says, thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't look like victory when we go bury another soul in the ground. Another body of another saint. It doesn't look like victory. We've got um, my my brother-in-law. His mother-in-law is at the point of death over in North Carolina. It's a terrible sight to watch. And you say, well, there's just no help. And then she's going to die any minute. And then they're going to have to have a funeral. They'll go to the cemetery. That, that's not the picture of victory. But, it, but, but there's still triumph. Because that's not the end of the story. Guys, we've got to understand what the end of the story is. He triumphed over principalities and powers. There's another triumph in this text, if we'll allow it to be so. In Colossians chapter 2, would you look at it again? The Bible says in verse number 18, excuse me, Colossians 2, 18. Let no man beguile you of your what? A reward. Now, a reward is something that's victorious. You know, they don't give rewards to losers. At least they didn't used to. You won! First place! I'm surprised they've not changed all that. Can't have first places. Can't have second places or third places. Everybody gets the same. Well, losers don't deserve the same. Is that okay? Here, somebody won a reward. If, now keep, keep reading, look at verse 18. Let no man beguile you of your reward. In other words, they were victorious in winning an award, but if they're not careful, somebody's going to talk them out of their reward. You see that? Let no man beguile you of your reward. Don't let anyone steal away from you what you've won in Christ. Now what can they steal away from us? Obviously, nobody can take away their, our salvation. They can't. That, that's, that's because they didn't do that. And yet you can, if you're a Christian, you can't lose your salvation, but you can lose other things. I've seen some Christians lose their their ever-loving mind. You can lose your mind. You can lose your good conscience. You can't lose your salvation. You can lose a lot of things. And you can lose your reward. You can lose the good things that you've wrought for the Savior. You can let somebody talk you in to taking a different path and then lose what you want. 
I'll just read these verses to you. He said, we, we preached on them before, Second John verse number 8. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. In other words, let the Lord Jesus Christ keep triumphing in your life that you can be victorious and get a full reward and don't listen to the beguilers because they're trying to steal away from you what you won. He said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 11, He that hath an ear, let him hear. Excuse me, that's chapter 2, that's chapter 3, verse 11. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. You can, in other words, you can win a crown, and then you can listen to some jaybird, and you can lose it. Don't be beguiled. We've already went through Colossians. In verse number 4, he talks about being beguiled. We're not going to re-preach that. We talked about Eve being beguiled by Satan. We went over to 2 Peter about how people that are unstable in their life are easily beguiled. That's why you need to be grounded and settled and firm because if you're not, you're an easy candidate for somebody to deceive you and beguile you and get you away from the Bible and the things of God and the church and living life. And, and pretty soon, whatever you have won for Christ, I'm not talking about salvation, Talking about reward. Salvation is not a reward. It's a gift. Salvation is not a reward. It is a gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Not the reward. The gift of God is free. Only one thing you have to do to gift, and that's take it. And if you're not saved here this morning, all you have to do is to receive Jesus Christ. And as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on His name. Salvation is a gift. It's free. But there are things that we can win for Christ. And there are things that we can win for Him and then lose it. Because we did not let Him continue to triumph in our lives. And we let somebody talk us out of it. He said, let no man... And you don't have to do that. You can have the victory. Let no man beguile you of your reward. Triumph over the principalities and powers, and triumph over the beguilers. The Lord Jesus Christ can give you victory over the beguiler. Listen to Jesus more than you listen to the deceivers. And this, this is what I really want to get to lastly. Verse 19. Colossians 2.19 And not holding the head from which all the body and joints and bands have nur- having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. I see in these verses we've looked at today, I see Jesus Christ triumphing over principalities and powers. I see Jesus Christ can triumph over the beguilers. And I see Jesus Christ can triumph, watch it, over a diminishing Christian life. Verse 19 again, at the end of the verse, increaseth with the increase of God. The Lord Jesus Christ, our head, wants us to increase with the increase of God. He wants to bring victory in our lives more and more. You know what happens to a lot of people that are saved? They go backward. 
That's diminishing. The opposite of increasing is diminishing. Can you trust a triumphant Christ to, have you, to help you increase with the increase of God? Or will you be settled with your life diminishing? You know why a Christian life diminish, diminishes? They don't have any victory. They start backing up. And I'd say this, victory, triumph over diminishing Christian life is not just triumph over going backwards. It's also triumph over being stagnant. He says, increaseth with the increase of God. You know, God does not want you to stay where you're at in your life. He wants to give you victory so you can continue to increase. If you love the Lord less than you used to love Him, you're defeated. You need, to get to the, you need to get to the one that can cause you to triumph. But watch it. If you love the Lord exactly the same, as much as you used to love Him, you're not increasing. You still don't have the victory. You know, we ought to be letting the Lord enlarge our hearts so we fall more and more in love with Jesus. Guys, we're either moving forward or we are diminishing in our Christian life. It's no, and it's just where most Christians are. They, they just, they're content staying right where they are. And that's a defeated Christian life. The Lord doesn't want you to stay. He says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. If we are satisfied where we are as saved people, we are backslidden. So here's the point. How can I increase? How can I love him more? How can I serve him more? How can I do more for him? How can I be a better Christian? Do you pray this often? I try to pray this often. Father, I really want to be a better child. I want to be a better child of God. I don't want to stay where I'm at. I want my life to bring you more happiness. I want my life to bring you more joy and blessing. I don't want to stay where I'm at, and I sure don't want to keep diminishing in my I want to increase. I want to be more like Jesus. Anybody here want to stand up and testify that you're exactly like Jesus in all areas of your life, all points of your thinking, all points of your attitude and living? Anybody reach the pinnacle? Looks like we all got some more increasing to do, doesn't it? How is that possible? We have a triumphant Christ. Notice, increaseth with the increase of God. It's God's victory. It's God's increase. It's God's power that causes me to be able to increase. It's God's work in my life. The pattern, though, here's the victory. You want victory? Over a diminishing Christian life? Do you want it? I'll give you three things. We'll finish this right here in the verse. Are you going to be satisfied with a diminishing Christian life? He said in Colossians chapter 2, here's here's the way to triumph over your life diminishing as a Christian. Verse 19, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together. Three things. First thing you have to do is you got to hold the head. 
hold the head. These beguilers, they're trying to talk you out of holding the head. Notice the head is in a capital H. Don't have time. We've already preached through all the verses in this, in this book already that Jesus Christ is the head. He is the head of the church. He's the head of the body. He's the head of all principality and power. He's head of everything. And all things he has to preeminent. He's the top. And the Bible says you better hold that head. And somebody's trying to talk you out of holding that head. Now when I think of holding something, I think like a fleshly person holding it with your arms. But there's another way to hold something. Have you ever heard this phrase? We hold them in high esteem. Or, quoting another person, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Holding something is also in your mind. Are you with me? We hold these truths to be self-evident. We hold them in high esteem in our minds. You've got to hold the head. If you are constantly thinking and meditating and concentrating on things of this world and things in your life and things in society and everything else, then you're not holding the head. Your mind's holding on to other thoughts he wants you to let go of. But when I think of holding the head, I think of where my mind is. Because, you know, he tells us, if the mind, if our mind, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on. That, that sounds like victory to me. That sounds like, are you holding the head in your mind? But then I think about our hearts. When I hold somebody, where'd my wife go? I was going to hold her this morning. There she is. When I think of holding somebody, you know, kids, you don't do this. They want to hold hands, you know. <laughs> well, why don't they want a fist bump? There's something a little closer with holding hands. Yeah, when you hold somebody, when you hold somebody, you get real close. <laughs> Isn't that right? Now, let me ask you a question. Are you holding the head? Everything in our lives, the devil is trying to get you to quit holding your closeness to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's trying to pry your arms and your hands off loving him like you are. Because he knows if you'll just keep holding the head and loving Jesus, if you'll keep staying close to Jesus, you will increase with the increase of God. And the thing... That is the stop to a diminishing Christian life. Is holding the head. You watch it. You watch it. Every diminishing Christian life is someone that's not loving him like they love him. That's not it. That's not, that's, that's not, that's not all. He says holding the head. And then he said here by joints and bands. In our verse, verse number 19. All the body by joints and bands having nourishment, ministered. To increase with the increase of God, the triumph over diminishing Christian life is that I must be nourished. I must have nourishment. You can tell physically I have the victory. Because you didn't laugh. I thought you'd laugh. 
My eyes aren't sunk in. I got plenty. Is that better? I've got plenty. I'm not malnourished. And by the looks of it, ain't nobody else in here malnourished either. American, you go around the world, that's not true. Their, their organs diminish. Do, do you know if you don't get proper nutrition, your brain doesn't even work right? A lot of things, nourishment causes us to increase. Now wait a minute, we nourish our bodies, but do we let the Lord nourish our soul? Why is my Christian life diminishing? Because I, I'm, not, I'm not having good nourishment. The Bible says we're nourished up by the good words of faith and doctrine. The, guys, the reason we pass out Bible reading calendar, we want you to be nourished. Your life can never be triumphant and victorious if you're not getting proper nourishment. That's why the devil fights people to keep them out of church, to get them off the nourishment. That's why the devil fights people to get them out of the Bible, to keep them off the nourishment. Because if you'll, if you'll be nourished, if you'll be ministered nourishment, you'll increase with the increase of God. But if you don't get the proper nourishment, you will diminish. You quit eating about three or four days in a row and see how strong you feel. You quit feeding on the good things of God and see how diminished your Christian life will be. Holding the head, having nourishment, and I'm finished, the last phrase. This is where some people miss it. And knit together. You will always have a diminishing Christian life if you're by yourself. We cannot have the triumph of Jesus unless we are together. And we've already preached on being knit together in the early part of the chapter. But the beguiler says, you don't need, somebody even told me that this morning, somebody, I forget what it was, I, people tell me stuff all the time, but about something on the internet or something about how church, oh I know, somebody was witnessing to somebody, people say, well, I believe in God but I don't believe in the church. <laughs> well you've been beguiled. Because God made the church. And He made the church, you know why? Because He knows that you can't have victory without it. You're going to lose out on your nourishment. You're going to lose out on your fellowship. And so the devil works overtime to undo the knitting. How many people, as a pastor, I can sit up here and cry and tell you story after story after story of diminishing Christian lives that said, ah, we don't need to be knit together. Hold ahead. Get nourishment. Stay knit together. And you will increase with the increase of God. He will not only triumph over the principalities and powers, and not only triumph over beguilers in your life, but he can triumph over your Christian life being diminished.